Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Housing Matters, the Vancouver Real Estate Show. This is episode five. I'm your host, Stuart McNish. Today we're talking about the industrial land crisis in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. However, just before we get started, I want to let you know about a couple of other podcasts worth your time. The first is White Towel, hosted by Paul Chapman. Paul and a series of guest hosts bring you everything you want to and need to know about the Vancouver Canucks. News, rumors, theories, and themes. And for all you taxpayers, which is all of us, you'll want to tune in to In the House, hosted by two of BC's top journalists covering the ledge, Mike Smith and Rob Shaw. Listen in on Apple Podcasts, VancouverSun.com, and TheProvince.com, where Mike and Rob break down the latest in Victoria and the latest on how the government is spending your money. And that brings me to today's show. Joining me today are Heather McNell of Metro Vancouver, Chris McCauley of CBRE, and Derek Penner of the Vancouver Sun. The topic, industrial land, or as Chris McCauley likes to call it, jobs land. And that's because industrial properties are home to thousands of jobs. And without industrial land, businesses and industries can't grow. And in some cases, they can't even start, at least not here. And that can be an issue. So joining me now is Heather McNell, the Director of Regional Planning for Metro Vancouver. Heather, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. It's, it's good of you to come in, especially on such a blustery, uh, wintry day out there. Uh, we're recording this in advance of when it's uh, airing, but it snowed like the Dickens last night. For Vancouver, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I really appreciate you coming in. Now, let's start with an overview of where we're at as far as industrial land is concerned, particularly in Metro Vancouver, because that's your jurisdiction. Where are we at? How do we get here? And what do we do or how do we start to address a situation that, by all accounts, is starting to become a big concern? Um, well, I think I'll, I'll take us back a bit if I could. So mm -hmm. Metro Vancouver's interest around industrial land started in the early 2000s. And we were hearing from a lot of our member jurisdictions that we were seeing a lot of conversion of industrial land and job space and starting to worry about what that would mean to the functioning of the region, especially in a port economy as well. Mm -hmm. And so our first work was to try to get a handle on what was happening. And we uh, conducted our first inventory of industrial land in 2005. And Going back 14 uh, yeah, years ago. 14 years. Wow. And we did another one 
one in 2010, and that started to give us a sense of seeing the trends of, of what was actually getting converted. Uh, we completed our third inventory in 2015, and what we saw was not only a conversion of land, but a growing use of uh, industrial lands for non-industrial purposes. So there's two problems really happening. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing that, yes, land still is getting converted from industrial purposes to residential mixed use. Waterfront land is at a premium, and uh, you know we don't have as many mills, sites, and so on around our region anymore. And so those lands become very valuable from a from a residential perspective. Now, maybe you can clarify something for me. Uh, Sam Sullivan pointed out that when you develop on uh, former industrial lands, the density uh, rules and regulations that might uh, exist as far as other residential, uh, residentially zoned areas are different. You can get greater density in an industrial land. That makes it even more attractive. Is he uh, right about that, or am I have I misunderstood? Well, <laughs> it, my understanding is when most of those would have to be rezoned from industrial to a residential, mm -hmm. and and they try to of course get a higher density in in certain locations around the region. So yes, that would happen, but it would be rezoned from industrial to mm -hmm. residential. In but that if case. they could do that, it makes it that much more sure. attractive. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So we've gotten to a place where that conversion is happening, um, but we're also seeing, again, as I mentioned, a growing use of industrial lands for non-industrial purposes. They become really de facto job lands in many, in many cases, and so we're seeing everything from indoor recreation facilities, climbing gyms, karate studios, doggy daycares, etc. Mm -hmm. And we're also seeing a trend towards stratification or smaller um, uh, lots and smaller lots on our industrial land. Like a business park or like something. Like a business like park, mm -hmm. and that's great in some cases because it allows some business is smaller to own, yes. um, but it also means that it displaces larger industrial activities like logistics and distribution and so on. Mm -hmm. So we're really seeing that there's a, a crunch, as you mentioned. Uh, we're seeing record vacancy lows. And so we last year we're seeing 1.8, 1.7% vacancy in the region. And my understanding now is we're under 1.4 and in some, some sub-markets under 1%. And, and that is in keeping now with residential uh, right. <laughs> rental properties, which it, traditionally the, the two are not uh, linked like that. They're Correct. a much yeah. higher sort of vacancy rate. Yeah, sort of we always think of it a healthy in a four to six range. So if it took this long for us to get a handle on it and see what the trend was, and there's a very long gestation period uh, in the development of lands and properties. Mm -hmm. How then do we start to address this in a way that is going to meet timely needs? It's a great question. Um, so just last year, the chair, uh, the then chair of Metro Vancouver Board struck an industrial lands task force to develop a regional industrial lands strategy. And so that really was the idea of bringing all the member jurisdictions together, but also some uh, other industrial interests around the region. So the port is at the table, um, UDI, um, we have uh, the ALC, the Agricultural Land Commission, and others to kind of tackle this problem together. And our new chair, uh, uh, Chair Dollywall at Metro Vancouver, has restruck that with the objective of having that strategy done this year. Mm -hmm. And so really we're trying to tackle uh, four main issues. One is around supply. Uh, the other is uh, around ongoing pressures for multiple uses of industrial land. The third interest they have is looking at site issues. So there's real challenges for some of the larger sites you mentioned servicing earlier. Mm -hmm. And so servicing access to the goods movement network, that's a real challenge. And then the fourth is really looking at this in a multi-jurisdictional kind of way. You've got a lot of players at the table, so governance. So how do you, let's start at the governance level and then work our way backwards. Sure. Because as you're talking about this, I'm thinking, okay, you have all these different jurisdictions. How on earth do we come up with a cohesive policy? Because I don't see that we'd be able to move forward unless everybody's kind of working off of the same sort of playlist. 
Well, we do have one cohesive policy right now, and that's through our regional growth strategy, Metro Vancouver 2040, shaping our future. So it, it was adopted in 2011, and it has a pretty high bar in terms of acceptance. So it was adopted by all member jurisdictions, uh, TransLink, the province, adjacent regional districts, and our board. And that was its first foray into industrial land. So we have uh, regional land use designations on every parcel in the region. And for the first time, we have industrial and mixed employment uh, land use designations. And what that means means is every time a member jurisdiction wants to do a land use change, they've agreed first to come to the regional board and have a discussion about what the regional implications of that land use change are. So if they want to redevelop an industrial parcel to residential, they first have to come to the board and have a discussion. And so that's that's because, one regional because policy. Because one, one part affects the whole. That's right. Because yeah. if you start taking something out of it, then it's going to put pressure on, 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 everything, on, else. on yeah. everything else. Does the, still the, the development of that land, though, so let's say we're moving forward, the development of all that land still becomes the jurisdiction of that one city or municipality. It's, it's not a Metro Vancouver uh, determination. The develop the development company or the builder has to go in and say, okay, we're now dealing with the city of Burnaby or we're dealing with Maple Ridge or whatever. Yeah, and it, yeah. they would have to go through a rezoning if they're wanting to convert that land. And, and we don't tend to get ahead of our member jurisdictions at Metro. So the application for that uh, at a regional level would actually come from the municipality. So they're going through their rezoning process municipally, then they get partway through that process and they come to the region for a discussion about the implications there. Is there something that can be done to... Uh, I, I want to, you know, fast track development permits when when an opportunity comes up, and is that something that the region can play a role in? Uh, it's it's something that we've heard a lot of interest in, and we hear it on on multiple uh, locations, not just around industrial, obviously commercial, residential, and so on. But we haven't played a role in that. We're not in the business of doing the local planning, right? So we're, we're we don't do the rezoning at Metro, mm -hmm. um, and so uh, we we work with our members to kind of look at ways to collectively streamline development processes. But it's not something that we would regulate at all. Mm -hmm. But uh, if we take, you mentioned uh, transportation infrastructure, mm -hmm. and the and it's, uh, tied to that, of course, is our relationship to the port. We are mm -hmm. a port uh, economy, and if we don't have those lands for distribution, for uh, manufacturing, for whatever it is that can can have access uh, to various markets, uh, then it's a challenge. Can can the region play a role in ensuring that we build the appropriate transportation infrastructure? Well, at Metro, we work really closely with TransLink, and so that would be, and they have a, a goods movement strategy that involves uh, all jurisdictions, but again, it's not uh, it's not their jurisdiction to actually do the build. Mm -hmm. And so again, our role tends to be much more around coordinating uh, our member jurisdictions to work together. And again, it's very helpful to have the port at the table when it comes to the industrial land strategy because they have a large interest in this. Um, but there's a lot of region-serving jobs and a lot of region-serving region um, pieces to the economy that the industrial land serve. Almost a quarter of the region's jobs are on industrial land. Wow. About Isn't 23%, yeah. That, that's a lot. Yeah. Is there a sense of urgency amongst the, the various uh, communities, cities, municipalities, and so on, in the Lower Mainland saying that we have to deal with this? Like, is it high enough on the, uh, you know, the radar screen that people are saying, yeah, we better pay attention to this? 
It, it's a harder one to get to the top of the list. Obviously, housing is the big driver right now. Mm -hmm. uh, industrial lands have a history of being uh, dirty and smelly and, <laughs> and, and not, not, not something we necessarily need to pay attention to. But I think that we're starting to see that, uh, that, that, that there's a real regional impact here when it comes to jobs and being able to attract a good workforce. Um, and so I think it's starting to rise to the top, which is, again, why we're, we're looking at a regional strategy. Well, and I think what that point that you just made right now, this equals jobs. It drives the economy. It is what sustains us. That's right. And yet it's not the stuff that captures the headlines and that people pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to keep working with uh, all different jurisdictions to try and help develop this uh, and move this strategy forward of saying we're going to work as a coordinated group. That's right. Yeah. And we have our first task force meeting uh, on the February 14th, and they're mm -hmm. open to the public for to, to take a look. Um, we have got three studies coming forward, which I think will be really interesting. One is on the economic value of industrial lands in the region, and we've broken that into both trade enabling uh, pieces that support the port and also the region serving pieces. And I think it'll, it's going to be, you know, a, a, an important study to take a look at the contributions that these lands make to our GDP as a region, as well as to the number of jobs uh, and, the, and the fact that they tend to be higher paying jobs. You think we're going to get through this or do you think it could get tighter? Well, I think that this is this is only one challenge in our region. The reality is that we have a constrained land base. And so we've got multiple legitimate land uses competing mm -hmm. for a very constrained land base. And so I think that that's, that's something that we have to struggle with as a region is how do we use this most effectively? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of interest around intensifying industrial uses as well. Um, and I think that the market's in a place where that's starting to, to starting to happen. Well, and we do live in a, in a province where the agricultural land reserve has been in place for what 40 some odd years since now? 73 yeah, yeah and uh, brought in by Dave Barrett um, and uh, there's you know it, it was a, a policy that you went okay we've got a wide open space well now it's starting to put put a pinch on that uh, do we have to re-examine the way that we're also uh, addressing uh, agricultural lands in a, in a way of, of ensuring that we accommodate the needs for industrial land growth well, again, I'll go back to our regional growth strategy, which really seeks to um, balance those objectives. And mm -hmm. so we also strongly support the protection of agricultural land for food production as, as contributor to the economy. And so I think that right now that the province is taking a look at, at, at ways to improve the ALC and, and uh, the ALR policies, but I don't think it's about revisiting the land base per se. I think that's an important policy. And for us at, uh, in our regional growth strategy, it's not just about protecting agricultural land, but it's a really effective urban containment tool, mm -hmm. right? So it's a way of really managing and ensuring that we keep growth in a, in a concentrated area, which helps us serve it by transit, which helps us serve it by uh, efficient use of our utilities and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it's going to be interesting to see as we move forward. Thanks for coming in and giving us this overview. I know the nuts and bolts uh, are, there's a lot more there, but as you pointed out, there's a, a public meeting that's uh, coming up on the 14th that people can go to, and I'm sure that there's information that people can find online as Absolutely. well, Absolutely, right? yep. Thanks okay. so much. Well, great, thanks. So coming up next is Chris McCauley of CBRE, whose company just released a warning that uh, reiterates and, and emphasizes the fact that we're in the danger zone when it comes to industrial land. And this is another opportunity for me to once again encourage you to tune into podcasts uh, in the house and White Towel, which are on Apple Podcasts, thevancouversun.com, and theprovince.com. We'll be right back. <music> Joining me now is Chris McCauley of CBRE. Welcome. Thank you very much. 
your company just released a uh, media advisory saying that uh, industrial and commercial vacancy rates are kind of banging on the bottom of the floor, uh, historical lows here. Why is this important? Like, why do we need all of us to care about whether or not business, you know, whether it's retail or commercial or industrial, has space to live and grow? Well, because uh, for the reason of employment, you know, we've always looked at the characterization of industrial lands and people don't really know what that is. But when you start calling them employment lands, you start to get people and policymakers paying attention. So if we have no lands for employment, that's a great concern to our economy. So are decision makers paying attention, those at the regional and um, municipal and city levels, or are they, you know, so focused on residential that they forget about the fact that industrial is an important component? Residential definitely gets all the headlines, and uh, rightfully so. I think there are it does need the attention of the policymakers. But secondary, because we've always had some some great economic growth in this province, and the GDP has always done very well, they haven't really paid any attention to it. It's only been now that it's gotten to a critical point that they're starting to pay attention and, and do some work at municipal and uh, provincial levels. So how critical is it? We're basically at a zero percent vacancy. It's it's one point four on uh, as what we report in the stats, but that really doesn't give anybody any options to our market. We consider a healthy market to be around that four to five percent mark. So what happened? How did we wind up with such low uh, industrial vacancy rates? Uh, we are very challenged in this province, and especially in the Lower Mainland. We've got some old policies in place, some old zoning in place that are really kind of restricted industrial. We've got old land use policies. We have physical restraints, being the ocean, the border, and the mountains. And we also have land constraints with the agricultural land reserve and things like that as well. So, so you talk about uh, restraints, uh, zoning and regulatory. What are the ones that are the most challenging when it comes to uh, the development of industrial uh, property? <laughs> it's not going to be very popular. It's a long list. It, it, it is a long <laughs> list. Uh, you know, because what happens is it really is, um, you know, a municipal approach. Uh, each municipality is going to be a different approach to what they need and what drives their employment lands. So in certain areas, it's zoning. Like in Vancouver, it's zoning. Right, we need to look at densifying and, and uh, intensifying industrial land uses in Vancouver because there is nowhere to get us more industrial land in Vancouver. Well, proper. there's not much that's left in Vancouver at all anyways. It's been there's mostly not. converted to residential. It, it has, and that's going on in Burnaby right now as well. So, what, But when we look at the overall picture of what the lower mainland needs, it's going to be a different approach in each area. So land use uh, designations out in the valley or in different areas in the suburbs is what is needed to be looked at, and then the zoning and regulatory issues within the municipalities of like Vancouver and Burnaby uh, and Richmond need to be looked at differently. And so is part of the problem that uh, industrial goes to the bottom of the pile and because the focus is so much on residential? It, it is. And, it, and, and as I said at the beginning, they look at industrial and I don't think they really understand what that means. They just still think that industrial is smokestacks and, and, and conveyors in the, in the mills. They don't look at it as employment lands. And as different uh, sectors change, like retail is becoming more industrial with the emergence of e-commerce. Uh, you know, it really needs to be called just employment lands because that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, we see Amazon taking over the old post office. How many other opportunities are there like that for a, a major employer to come in and say, ah, yeah, there is a block that we can develop? 
It's becoming very limited. We, we're, we now have a lot of new entrants to the market, whereas before it was literally just people here expanding a little bit. We didn't get too many new entrants to the market. But right now, most of what's driving our demand is new entrants to the market. And they're looking and going, there just isn't anything of scale here or what they can occupy in a reasonable amount of time. So what's happening now is certain companies like that is looking south of the border in Seattle. They're also looking in Calgary. If we don't do this, what does this do to our ability to call ourselves a uh, a major economic influence in the area? Um, you know, are we just a nice place to live, or are we also a good place to work and live? Well, unfortunately, I, I don't think there's going to be major change until there's an economic impact felt. But I think what's going to happen is that that's exactly what's going to be, is if we don't have the opportunity for to increase employment here, it's going to have a great great effect on everything. Now, there's a tendency to think, okay, well, you're talking about big companies, but this has a tremendous impact on all those startups and small businesses that are so fundamentally important uh, to our economy. How does small business get hit hard as a result of this? Well, a lot of the small businesses, and we've got some great success stories here, small businesses that have grown into these global recognized companies. They're, they're not having the opportunity to expand within our, our municipalities or the lower mainland. So they're having to look elsewhere or they just can't expand, mm -hmm. right? Which is kind of stifling their growth to grow to their full potential. And what used to happen is that we used to have the Valley as the kind of the safety net, right? So when companies got forced out of Vancouver or Burnaby or the core because it got too expensive or there were no options, they would just move out to the Valley. That is no longer there. That safety net has now been used up. Well, I was just at the uh, mayor's uh, event last week where they were all talking about the pressures that are being put on each of those uh, municipalities and cities in the valley. They're going to see tremendous growth. And one of the things that I point out is that they only have islands of developable land in around ALR. Uh, and so this puts a real squeeze on that land. To, you know, to reinforce your point. It, it really does. And the ALR is, um, uh, has always been a contentious issue and, and political uh, nightmare, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but it just needs to be looked at. Like this was brought back in in 1973 with no real science behind it. And we need to look at what are the needs of the agricultural community, balance that with what are the needs of the, each municipality and the growth. Because people forget on the industrial side or on the employment land side, that's a lot of food production, food distribution, you know, over 30% of all our major deals on the industrial side are food related. So even those companies don't have any options to go to. So we'd really need to get everybody talking together. Well, can't we start to get into mixed use, have vertical farms? Because as I understand the, you know, the greenhouse technology is that it provides the opportunity to grow up as well as out. You know, and I, and I think every industry has done that. I think the agricultural industry is doing more on less. And I think industrial is also doing more on less and intensifying and densifying. So from your perspective, what are the most important things that uh, municipalities and cities need to do? Or do we also need to look at the idea of saying, look, we, we have to stop being uh, a series of 20-some-odd uh, collection of jurisdictions and start to act uh, far more cohesively? Uh, and I know that Metro Vancouver has part of that role, but it doesn't have the jurisdiction. They don't, but I also think, uh, yes, they have to work uh, together, but the answers and solutions are different for every municipality. So it has to be looked at municipal, municipality by municipality because the solutions are different. What's going to work in Vancouver isn't necessarily the answer for what Delta needs. So we do have to look at it individually and what's the right, right approach. Is it uh, multi-level industrial? 
maybe in certain areas. Um, is it densifying, intensifying? Yes. As far as the agricultural community, I think it's we need to address their needs. I'm not an expert on that, but what are their needs? And how can we balance all the land use? And especially when we take out industrial lands for residential, how are we replacing that? It's great that we're taking these lands and providing residence for people, but then where are you replacing the jobs for these residents as well? So is most important that we start talking about this or do you have a laundry list of, you know, four or five things that you say councils need to uh, pay attention to? Well, right now, I think there are a lot of municipalities are starting to do the right thing. Metro Vancouver has been very active over years addressing this issue. But I think it's all going to boil down to land use policy. And ultimately, those three letters are going to be said about the ALC. And nobody's going to want to touch that. Well, the ALC that controls the ALR, (laughs) Agricultural Land Commission. Yes, right. And because they do control most of the lands. And what was done in in the 70s may not be what we need now. And I'm not saying that we take away food security. All I'm saying is, what does the agricultural community need? Is it more land or is it other things? Can we look at not creating new industrial parks, but can we look at the ways of expanding our existing ones to providing a little bit more? I never want to see us be a sea of these warehouses throughout the lower mainland. But how do we provide the balance between what the agricultural community needs and what the employment community needs. And there isn't going to be an easy answer to that, is there? There's not going to be an easy answer because the tough decisions have to be made. But we do need to start talking about it because if we don't, we won't address it. And, and unfortunately, we'll address it when it's too late, right? Because right now, we, we've let it get down to this this state of being 1.4% vacancy. And uh, I, I honestly believe that once there's some economic impact of companies leaving our area, which we've already been seeing, and companies that say, I would love to come and set up in, in Vancouver, but you have no options for me. Until we start seeing that on a consistent basis, then I think the policymakers will, will, will react. Instead of being proactive, they'll be reactive. We'll just hope that we don't get to that point. Let's hope so. Yeah. Thanks for coming in and sharing this with us. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So coming up next, Vancouver Sun business reporter Derek Penner on the impact of tight commercial and industrial real estate markets not just uh, on businesses, but on all of us. We'll be right back. Welcome. Thanks for joining me. No problem. You've been a business reporter for a number of years. Uh, The state of business from, and, and we don't hear about it very often, from a real estate perspective, namely as in tenants or needing to buy property, what's the situation right now? Uh, it's well. Everything is predicated on how uh, residential real estate has uh, performed. Um, if you're in uh, commercial real estate, if you're in retail in particular, uh, a lot of it is driven by you know changes in zoning that uh, uh, create higher density uh, residential zones. Um, you're renting property in in those zones. All of a sudden. Uh, they're a lot more expensive, and those have sort of a flow-through impact on on your rent. So, when you talk to business owners, what are they telling you about this? How, how like, are they telling you that it's bad? Is it just a cost of business, or, 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 or what's the sense that you get about the reaction to it? Well, it's 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 bad. It's uh, there's a, a lot of pressure on uh, municipalities to perhaps take a second look at how they approach taxation. Um, in a lot of cases, you, you'll have, uh, in retail in particular, you'll have, um, you know, nice sort of long-standing businesses that are in a location that are that is all of a sudden uh, has high density potential, and it's taxed on the property is taxed on that on that potential rather than what's going on in the property. Um, so all of a sudden, they go from having 
a tax bill of say a few thousand dollars to you know tens of thousands of dollars. And yet nothing changed for them? No, that's, uh, if you talk to uh, 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 Philip, or, oh, I forget his name. Isn't that great, yeah. Uh, if you talk to property appraisers, uh, there's uh, uh, pressure to get municipalities or the, it's not municipalities, it's, it has to, would have to be a, a sort of provincial change um, to allow municipalities to tax on, sort of have a dual tax rate. Um, you sort of tax on what what is happening mm -hmm. rather than you know the the, the potential. You know, uh, I think would... a, I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, for a business, when the value of the property that they're in goes up, the tax on that property goes up, and yeah. that tax flows through to the business, not to the landlord, but no. to the business. Yeah. Well, that's the <laughs> convention of uh, uh, triple net leases. Yeah. Um, if you own a property, um, you pass on the the sort of cost of doing business to your tenants. Yeah. So um, they, it's the, the convention, it's um, if you're a, you know, a dry cleaner um, sitting in a, a, what was a one story or what still is a one story, um, you know, commercial property that has the potential for, you know, six stories of residential, um, you have to have to sort of press a lot more shirts to, to sort of generate that kind of income and it's probably not, not possible. So, right. Yeah. And, and those increases can equal jobs. I, I think that people don't realize you start to see this tax increase. It, it plays itself out in lost jobs and the people who are working there then mm -hmm. have to work harder. Yeah. Uh, there's sort of a dual pressure on a lot of businesses there. Uh, if you're in the service sector, there's uh, a lot of, you know, cafes, bagel shops, you name it, that are having a hard time trying to find employees uh, because of the cost of living. Uh, then you sort of turn around and, and you sort of have these uh, increased costs passed on to them. There's a lot of businesses having a, a tougher time out there. And then when it comes to the industrial sector, so we're talking commercial mm -hmm. as in retail commercial. There's also commercial real estate for businesses that are doing business to business kind of work yes. or services and so on. But when we get out into the industrial sector, uh, we see a very, very sparse landscape. Yes. And... Are, from your perspective, are you seeing that governments are addressing this, that they're, that they're making this an issue that, that has to be uh, fundamentally um, taken care of? Uh, yes. Uh, it, it's difficult to take seriously, though, when you have the, all these competing interests. Yeah. Um, you have the competing interest of, of you know, uh, trying to create more and affordable housing. Uh, at the same time, you don't you don't want to squeeze out uh, in industrially zoned land. Um, we can't make more of the land mm -hmm. um, sort of hemmed in by the agricultural land reserve and and growing municipalities. Well, industrial land has literally been entirely squeezed out of Vancouver and Burnaby, and mm -hmm. is getting pushed further and further out. And then, of course, as you just pointed out, then they run into the the situation with the ALR. Yeah. Uh, so it's like. I don't know. Uh, what does this do to our ability to grow and become uh, a truly uh, important and central uh, regional economic center? Uh, I think in a lot of ways you have to really rethink transportation. Um, uh, the industrial land, it's all about logistics now. Um, uh, sort of in, we live in a delivery-oriented society, so it's it, the industrial landscape is all about you know being able to efficiently receive goods 
um, in a large space mm -hmm. and then get them out um, as, as, again, as efficiently as you can. Uh, if you look at uh, Amazon, um, I don't know where they were, you know, 10, 15 years ago, but uh, they have two very large and are about to uh, embark upon uh, their third uh, fulfillment center, as they call them, uh, essentially, you know, gigantic uh, in warehouses, distribution I guess, warehouses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe they've just, they're, they're working with a developer on a 450,000 square foot center in Tawasin. Um, this is Amazon. Go, I didn't yes. even know this. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, it's 450,000 square feet. Um, if you think of uh, the field inside BC Play Stadium, uh, that's almost five of those. Five of them. So, <laughs> holy smokes. That's the kind of scale um, industrial users would you know, dearly love to have. But mm -hmm. uh, again, it's having a difficult, difficult time you know, squeezing them in. And they're going to have to look further out. So, yeah, like much further out. And yeah. then as you point out, the transportation infrastructure uh, then gets taxed. You know, we only just rebuilt Portman Highway 1. Yeah. We're going to need more. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a tricky one. It's how do you use that more efficiently? Um, how do you, um, you know, perhaps use the rail network more? Um, in the past, I don't know why this is, hasn't come up. It's seems to come up in cycles, but there's uh, every once in a while you'll, you'll hear proposals of, of uh, using the Fraser River mm -hmm. more um, as a, a sort of... Uh, Transportation byway? Yeah. 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 Both for commercial and individual uh, or uh, private transportation. Well, more for the, again, the logistics. Yeah. Um, finding if, if they could find a, you know, a, a rail point. Um, you know, to have more barge traffic carrying carrying freight up and down the river, that's that's an option that gets that, that gets uh, floated from time to time. But then I think you're right, that, and that does open up other opportunities to put uh, industrial properties uh, close to the river. Yeah, which is kind of like an old idea because wasn't the river the main transportation uh, uh, system going back um, for centuries? Yeah, it was. Uh, before there was a highway, there were. Uh, Riverboats. So what is old is new again. Yeah. <laughs> might be. Uh, yeah. You might have to. Well, it'll be interesting to see. And, I've, I've, of course, I know that you'll be watching uh, all these different pressures that businesses find themselves under. But this is a really important one here in, uh, yeah. in Vancouver. Okay. Thanks for coming and joining me. Thanks for tuning in. Now, just before I go, let me encourage you one more time to tune in to podcasts in the house and White Towel, which you will find on Apple Podcasts, thevancouversun.com, and theprovince.com. Housing Matters, the Vancouver Real Estate Show, is produced by Old Boy Productions for the Vancouver Sun and Province. The production of this show is only possible thanks to the talents of Derek Hader, Arnold Cheng, and Greta Gibson. I'm Stuart McNish. Thanks for joining us on Housing Matters, the Vancouver Real Estate Show. See you next time. Mm -hmm.